everybody, welcome to Soul Story, a Through the Breach actual play podcast set in the world of Malifaux. Today, I'm joined by... Miriam. And we're doing interviews today, and I'm Alex. In case you don't remember me, but I'm Alex, and I run this thing. Who can forget you? Oh, goodness, I do sometimes. Really often, in fact. It's fine. But I'm so excited, because you're new. You're new to the show, and you're a new castmate in Malifaux, and I'm so very, very jazzed for that. Yay. <laughs> so, since we're doing interviews, and since you're new, we get to learn a little bit more about you. Oh, and joy. I, I, I'm really excited to, I mean, it's stuff that I kind of already know, but some of it I think I'm going to learn along the way. So, we are going to start with our prototypical intro questions. They start off easy, and then I think things only get like a little nitty gritty once we get to personal, so... Nothing embarrassing. Just, you know, thought-provoking. So you're not going to ask about the time that I went streaking through the neighborhood? Well, now I am. Tell me about the time you went streaking through the neighborhood. Well, I was like two and, you know, it was just that type of a day where, you know, typical kids, they don't want to take a bath. They're contrary like that. So I decided that um, I was going to make a break for it once uh, I was put into the little kitty tub. And by neighborhood, I mean my grandparents' ancestral home. So I ran around the courtyard, and um, I think pretty much every single person who is now over the age of 70 or 80 has seen me in in my birthday suit, my glorious, glorious birthday suit. I love that stage of little kids where they just don't care about being clothed. They're just like, I'm naked now. Here I am. Well, society hasn't told them their body's bad. Bodies are bad. You need to hide them. Be ashamed of them. Yikes! All right. Thank you for telling me your streaking story. That's a good start. Good, strong start. <laughs> so, well, question number one is, how do we know each other and how did we meet? So, def- I feel like it started with extra life and then it kind of took a life of its own. I'd agree. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, uh, I actually, uh, Bianca had... Um, I, I was a player in uh, one of Bianca's stream games and the group kind of kept in touch afterwards, even though the show had ended, it's been several months and we're still in contact and, uh, it's like our small, it's like a little group chat that exists and it's wonderful. It's great. Uh, and Bianca, uh, said, Hey, um, there's this extra life show. They're looking for players. Um, is anyone interested? And, uh, I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm free then. I could probably do something. Actually, I said no first, and then something fell through, and then I said yes. <laughs> I'm very exacting, if you didn't <laughs> realize that by now. <laughs> well, you saved our bacon when you jumped in. I just remember we had someone drop out last minute, and I was like, oh gosh, now like our, our numbers are all weird, and I always intended us to have guests anyways, Or at least maybe like a lot of guests, but some guests, but we're at this minute mark of, oh gosh, we're not going to get anybody. So you really saved our bacon coming in to play uh, the game that I ran during Extra Life, which was our Victorian food truck race. Oh, that was so much fun. You played Persephone, this goth vegan. (laughs) uh, (laughs) I just realized, oh my god, I have a type. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, when you brought up potentially naming this character Persephone, I'm like, no, we can't do that because you've already played that character. <laughs> it might be the same character, but we're going to just rename it real quick. <laughs> well, ish and also not, but yes. Because <laughs> I've, like, I don't know why I have this thing for wanting to play characters that maybe now it's becoming cliche by continuously playing them, but I want to play ethical night creatures. <laughs> You know, like, take take all this vampire or, like, creatures of the night or hell creatures and turn them into, like, you know, people just misunderstand me, but not in that very typical, oh, I'm just misunderstood, but I'm totally a nice guy TM. Um, <laughs> but an actual, no, 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 people who don't want to, who don't want to look past their fear or, um fear of the unknown or like you know stranger danger we're not bad people and i think that comes in a lot through this whole thing of being marginalized and sort of people have stereotypes about marginalized communities uh which are not great and trying to i guess maybe fulfill that um wish fulfillment i guess of, uh, you know, like, look, we're not so different, you and I, but not in a, we both, we both are assholes, we're not so different, but we're not so different, <laughs> you and I. I think it's a really good explanation. I appreciate the, the cause and effect of all of that. You're welcome. Well, and, and what I could say, too, is that after our extra life, it's that you were there as this cheerleader after the game. You didn't have to stick around. You could have totally peaced out. But you kept hanging out and were DMing me on the side as I was pushing through this 24-hour hellscape. That is totally worth it, but it's a long day. And I just thought you were so sweet and fun to talk to. And I was like, okay, we're going to be best friends now. <laughs> and here we are. And now I got to invite you to the show. Yee. So that leads into my next question. I asked, but what, what made you want to join Soul Story? So the most primary thought in my head was I don't get to be a player in like a long running campaign podcast thing. This is a really good opportunity. Uh, in addition, definitely because I trust you. I loved how the Victorian food truck game was. And if that was an indication of how your games go, because actually... I'll be honest, I only started listening to Soul Story like a week ago after several recordings um, uh, in, and that's because of um, some personal issues that I don't necessarily want to get into uh, beyond mm -hmm. saying that um, I have an aversion to actual pay podcasts, even ones I'm in because of mm -hmm. some trauma, um, but I am working through that, and I'm glad that Soul Story was one of was the first thing that helped me at least move forward. I don't think I'm completely over it, but um, it's a good step forward. So I'm so glad because those early episodes are garbo. So I'm really glad you're enjoying them. <laughs> and I learned I'm a lot. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> we learned a lot, so I imagine you're gonna learn a lot from it too. <laughs> Well, I, and I'm glad that we're able to provide a platform for you to be a player. I think there's something about becoming DM that suddenly eliminates your player chances, right? Because once yeah. people know you're a DM, it's like, oh, so you want to you wanna DM a game? Like, sometimes. But also, can I just mess around? Have fun? Be a character? I'm, I'm glad. 
I I actually enjoy GMing. Like if you had to if you had to tell me be a forever player, be a forever GM, I probably would be a forever GM. I don't have a problem 100%. with that. Um <laughs> I do like uh being able to frame narratives and sort of uh maybe use my agenda quotation marks like air quotes I use my agenda to sort of push stories that otherwise wouldn't be told but um it's nice sometimes to be a player and there's also this maybe slight fear that um because there's this thing there's a sort of like myth around that forever gms make terrible players because they just are they are too controlling or they just don't know how to be a player and every single horrible stereotype of like bad players get stuffed into that gm and they <laughs> and they just like take it out on whoever is unlucky to be their gm i i was just going to say i'm like i'm kind of one of those i used to be a lot worse and i i think it would depend on the on the gm themselves like yeah. i did not respond well to gms who acted like they knew more and I'm like, it's not about knowing more. It's about how much fun you have. Like, calm down. If we're going to do this game, though, let's do this game. So I just get a little competitive when it comes to that. But, like, I'm, I'm down to throw it out for a good game. Yeah. But I agree. I think I think GMs do kind of get that uh, retaliation behavior of, oh, my God, I dealt with so much crap from this one player. I can't wait to turn it back on them. Which probably goes to say something more about their own insecurities than the game itself. Oh yeah, for sure. And and there's this thing that I kind of also say that um, when you GM, you really it's not just about you playing the game or you telling a story. It's everyone else at the table. And if they're not contributing or if they're not considered, then you're really just playing with yourself and everyone's watching you. Yeah. Yeah. I... I have the firm, like, a whole TED Talk about are you a narrator or are you God? Mm -hmm. And I think there, there needs to be a balance, right? You need to have yeah. at least some guidance. But for the most part, yeah, you should be able to trust your players to play your story, too. So you shouldn't have to feel like you were shoehorning them. Yeah. And they shouldn't feel like they're being bullied. Yeah. Well, we're making great time. We've already done two questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you say you don't listen to a lot of actual plays due to personal reasons, which totally cool. We all got our thing. Do you listen to other podcasts though? Are there or is there podcasts that got you started? Um I think because of the way my personal work environment is at the moment, I am pretty much a social hermit. A lot of my work is online, which you know, given the current scenario doesn't really affect me too much, but I, you know, there's other things that affect me that is kind of uh, distracting from this particular question. But uh, because of the way my work environment is, is where I'm basically on my desk 24-7 if I'm not sleeping or doing housework. Um, I also do a lot of like crafting yarn, like knitting, crocheting, etc, etc. And um, I do like having something in the background, but I find I'm more maybe sort of a slightly more visual person than oral, even if I'm not really looking at the screen. So I actually binge watch a lot of TV and shows versus podcasts. That's not to say I don't like podcasts. It's just that um, at the moment, just our current scenario where I do have access to a visual element, I prefer watching TV and shows. That's legit. Ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Again, season one, almost no one on our show listened to podcasts before joining in. So... We don't always have to have a favorite podcast just because we're in the community. But if I do listen to podcasts, it tends to be a lot of actual play or gaming related, which 
yeah, makes me sad that um, I had a traumatic experience that makes me unable to quite listen and enjoy them as before. I, I hope the healing process in that is is swift but meaningful. Like it, it would it would suck to rush through it only to have it backfire a little bit. So take your time. We'll be here. They're not going anywhere. And you can catch up. You can binge later. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, okay, so let's see here. How long have you been gaming? Whether it's tabletop, board games, video games? Uh, so in terms of just general non-monopoly, non-game, like non-childhood Hasbro games, mm -hmm. um, I would say it's been a little over a decade. Uh, I've been, uh, and my first game ever was Dungeons and Dragons because, uh, I came here to study and to immigrate and, uh, in Canada specifically, because I realized, you know what here means, but whoever's <laughs> listening may not. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I was staying with my essentially like childhood friend, like family by choice, and he was running a regular D&D &D game. And while I was visiting for the week, he was like, why don't you just play? Uh, and I played and it was so much fun. And then I ended up buying dice, even though I couldn't really use it because I went back to the buy for like a couple of extra months while I was waiting for my applications and everything. And then when I came back, I just started playing and I never stopped. Yay, that's how we hook you. <laughs> just play a game. Just just one game. That's all you gotta do. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That sounds super shady, but it's just, it's one of those things that... <laughs> it sounds like the first one's free. Yeah! <laughs> but also, that's how I met my spouse. Oh, it's a love story. I love that. Oh, good. Uh, well, then, you've been gaming for a decade, so do you have any big gaming superstitions? Uh, hmm. Well, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of like, what is, I mean, I, I, I do the, I sort of do the thing everyone does of like dice superstitions mm -hmm. of various types. But I think, um, recently what I consider like, yeah, that's probably a unique to me or unique to few of, um, because especially with with like home games or casual games which are not recorded or broadcast because those are like yeah we got to stick to those um stuff when with casual games i actually do not prepare anything for that game Ooh. until like the night before simply because i put a lot of like heart and soul into it that's not to say that I'm the type that I'm not flexible if players, like, that's it. I'm just saying, like, I don't do any prep whatsoever until the night before because I'm, I am have this fear of it'll get cancelled and I'll feel very bad that I had all these things that I wanted to do or wanted to kind of bring into play and I couldn't do it. A little self-defense, a little guarding of the heart there. <laughs> yeah. I like that as a superstition. I mean, we, we've definitely heard the dice. We've heard sitting in certain spots... But that that's a unique one. That's something new to the network. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one of those, uh, of course, I could just use it the following week, but it's this thing where um, I think for a time being, oh, there's another mm -hmm. one, too, yeah, uh, which is related to that. But uh, there's this one time where basically I tried to, like, I had, I had this, like, what I, you know, 
uh, self-congratulately pat, pat myself on the back, kind of like this really cool novel idea I wanted to introduce into the game or whatever encounter we were going to do. And uh, the game got canceled because someone was sick. And this is not recently. This is like a couple of years ago. Someone got sick. And then the next week, someone was out of town. And then by the time we actually were finally free or whatever, it had already been several months. And I was like... This no longer feels fresh to me anymore. Oh, no. I've sat on this. Oh. And then I also have this superstition of um, if I commission a portrait for anything, that game will blow up in my <laughs> face because that's happened three times now. It's like naming. You, you never name it until it's there, right? You can't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. And I'm talking like a proper artist commission, even if it's like a sketch or something for like, you know, two-digit num num like price tag like the quick and dirty yeah. um even like if i do anything free that's a different matter it's if i commission like pay, pay someone. someone to draw oh, no. for me okay uh you're not allowed to get a commission for anything for soul story i'm going to ban that <laughs> <laughs> well also I, I i it's one of those i'm not that's not to say I'm undrawable or whatever, but it's like I, I I definitely introduce a lot of things that are uncommon to, I guess, the North American. Like, you know, we just recorded it, how I describe myself and everything, which we're not going to maybe spoiler <laughs> it. Uh, but uh, it's a uh, I'm not wearing traditional adventure garb. I'm not like, you know, I don't necessarily describe myself in typical adventure things that are at least Western. So if someone were to do fan art, uh, hopefully they pay a little more attention or whatever, but oh gosh, I sound like such a pretentious person. No, right no, I think that's really important. Uh, I mean, the, you know, there's that idea that uh, the beauty in the eye of the beholder, fan art's cool because you get a lot of different interpretations, right? But there's some key aspects that should always be prevalent, right? Like if, if mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, skin tone's a huge one, cultural, whatever you're wearing, like that, those are things like if, if it is mentioned, it is important to that player and it should be respected. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot of fan artists who do respect that. And I would say that in the episode two, you did a good job of not just describing it, but giving it its name. So people who didn't know can give it a Google search and be aware of it. So I thought that was a really thoughtful, mindful thing you did during your character description. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where like I do wish sometimes that I could just be easy to describe or draw, but then there's this thing off when I try to introduce a lot of my culture, community, and other things. And it's not just where I'm from. Sometimes I just want to fit what is what's in my head which is not usually which is sometimes not what people usually think of like the conventional thing and i've actually been told uh several times that everyone else will get a commission portrait but not mine because the artist can't draw me fuck that fuck that no no okay <laughs> okay if you're an artist and that's your fucking thing no no, we live in an age where everything is Googleable. You can talk to the person. There's so much you can do. That's bullshit. I'm mad. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's disrespectful and mean and, and just unneeded. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's been told to you before. Yeah, so it's um, it's rare if I ever see my characters um, barring the unlucky commissions. 
<laughs> and also, by the way, those are commissions where it was meant for my players, not for myself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's what you get for being nice. <laughs> yeah. First mistake, don't be nice. <laughs> I'm learning that. But yeah, so um, huh. we go into the this 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 uh, interview went a lot darker than we expected. <laughs> oh, it's with me. I always assume it's going to get dark at some point. <laughs> We're just going to giggle a lot through it, so it sounds cute, but yeah, no, no. (laughs) Morbid humor is my jam. (laughs) Well, you know, I do also enjoy some morbid humor, and one of my favorite questions in this intro side of things isn't talking about your favorite moment in gaming, or like the most heroic moment in gaming. I want to hear about your biggest gaming fuck-up. Like, what was the biggest mistake you've ever made at a table, or, and again, more like what your character, what choices you made as a character versus, you know, something personal and traumatic. So not player drama. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hmm. I really have to think through it because for the most part, uh, any choice I've made, even if it was basically go out in a blaze of glory, has always still been my choice and I'm okay with it. Uh, but I think... Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's odd. It's one of those things where it's usually something perhaps people would regret. I don't regret any character choices I made. That's fair. And I think that, you know, sometimes the connotation of fuck up or mistake comes with regret. Um, I would I would never say that. I think, like, my mine isn't a big regret. It's just a funny story. Like, the big pop song right now of 100 bad days make 100 good stories. 100 good stories make you interesting at yeah. parties. I think sometimes just the, the choices we make, again, whether on accident or on purpose, that just end up TPKing or killing off your character. Like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't have drank the poison. Like, moments like that can be really defining and memorable experiences just as much as killing the dragon saving the day okay so then i think i have two that i can think off the top of my head uh so the first one is uh it was with our first group like it was our home game uh we were playing uh barovia like uh ravenloft strad curse of yeah uh, curse of strad ravenloft and um one of our players Life happened, couldn't join anymore. It was just the two of us. Uh, and the two of us uh, decide to take on, I forget which part. It's its like this kind of a wine. Oh, it's a vineyard. Oh. So we go into the vineyard and at some point we get overwhelmed. And uh, the other player, not me, character gets killed. I could have survived. I could have left. Uh, but I think at that point, all of us as players were like, we're okay if it's a TPK and we make new characters because we're not, like, just the two of us is going to be a little much. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to maybe make better munchkin characters if it's just going to be the two of us playing forevermore. So that's the uh, meta of what was going on. Uh, I didn't, I didn't like suicide sacrifice myself. I was just sort of like, okay, I'm just going to animate this person. And if my GM, which is my spouse, Carl said, okay, well now you're an NPC, I'd be fine with that. I'm okay. Like giving Mm it up. Um, and then the the character who was a paladin, the person who left, like left the gaming table altogether, came back and was like, what did you do? You animated our companion. And then pers- and we decided to have a battle, like, you know, a PvP battle. And I won. Like, I won. I I was at that point where I could do the killing blow. But my character was a good-hearted person. Just sort of like an entrap. Like, I think you're going to see, I, I kind of 
maybe I've never played this character to its fruition. Perhaps that's why I keep trying to play it. But I was like, no, I can't kill you. And that's when the paladin stabbed me dead. Oh, that's such a good story, though. Oh, you got betrayed by the paladin. Oh, my goodness. Oh, so that's why I said I had no regrets how everything went Uh down. But there's that. And then the other one, I still don't know what's going to happen because it literally was our last game, home game, where the same, same player, different character, different campaign is playing like a super studious squishy mage. Uh, We come across a bag of holding that is clearly not a bag of holding. um, And he decides to put his hand in it. (laughs) Dummy. (laughs) Uh, and manages to survive not getting swallowed whole, but then decides to put his hand in it again. (laughs) (laughs) And that's when he gets devoured. However, because um, I am currently taking a level in Warlock, and I'm a shadow monk and everything, so I kind of have sort of a Shadowfell patron. Um, The Shadowfell patron gave me an offer of, I'll tell you where your friend is if you do a thing for me. Um... And I, without blinking, my character was like, yes, show me where your friend is. Show me where my friend is. And he was in, like, I guess, interplanar limbo, having a conversation with all of his dead family members, thinking he's at some family gathering, rather than he's fucking dead. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, I'm like, dude, we gotta go now, now. And he's like, but it's rude. We just start plas- had the cheese plates passed. <laughs> I was like, we're going. And because I can fly and I have at the moment a MacGuffin thing that allowed me for this particular scene to fly, like go. I'm an Aarakocra, by the way, so oh, I can okay. fly. Um, I grab him and I take him back to the real world. And uh, currently he's um, naked. Oh, <laughs> We have to find clothes for him, but the thing is that I said yes without thinking about it, which my character would totally do. Mm-hmm. But now, what's going to happen? You did not specify anything. That's a again, no classic mistake. Don't you never just say blank yes. check? Oh gosh, that a is blank check. One of my favorite things as uh, a player character to, to build in as a trope is to be like, you don't pay me. I just want a favor someday. And, like, I'm building up favors instead of being paid. Oh, gosh, it's so much fun. So much fun. So you, <laughs> I can't wait to hear how that pans out. <laughs> well, when when we play, we'll, because uh, we all like to play in person. So mm-hmm. at the moment, we're not playing. Yes. I, in case, you know, you're listening to this years, years, years in the future, this is currently during the coronavirus. So we're all very isolated. <laughs> Yep. Well, I thank you for sharing those. Those were really good, good stories. It also reminds me a little bit of Old Man Henderson. From, it's, it's, it's like the Call of Cthulhu store that's I think it was on SoundCloud, Reddit, something like that. And about this guy who totally was screwing over his GM because his GM was a dick. But like in the story, he just kept accidentally killing another character. Like one person's characters just kept dying because of his absurd character. Hilarious <laughs> story. Very, very good. Highly recommend. Uh players and gems alike can relate. Well, that's all I have for our intro question. So now we have a bit of flavor. We get an idea of what you like. But now we're going to get into some deeper questions. Because in case we didn't get like, deep enough there in the first few minutes, we're just going to keep I'm going. I'm very extra. I'm, and I'm going to say when I wrote these out, I they, they start off super light. And it's going to feel like I take a hard right turn. And I couldn't find a middle ground question between these. So I apologize. But the first two, 
super easy. At least I, I imagine they're going to be super easy. When we were talking and we were DMing back during Extra Life and, you know, as our friendship has continued to blossom, uh, we, we've been talking about Bollywood, right? And the importance mm-hmm. it is to you and my budding interest in it as we're going with this floral theme. So my first question for you is, what is your favorite Bollywood genre? And if you have a favorite oh, movie within that this genre. This is like, this is, this is definitely a Sophie's Choice sort of a thing. I love all my babies. Um, but I guess I really do enjoy, like, I've always been a fan of fantasy, regardless of, like, industry or country or whatever. Uh, but I do really like fantasy and um, the hashing of folktales and things like that um and even perhaps even twisting them into a modern uh connotation and i also just love um escapism too which can be fantasy but a lot of times it's just everything's lighthearted you know there's no actual villain like like there's there's a very famous style of bollywood which is kind of the like what even people outside know of, which is this masala film. Like it's it's this potboiler of everything. You've got a little action, you've got a little comedy, you've got a little drama, tragedy, um, everything, and lots of songs and 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 the whole shebang. It's like people always say it's like oh it's like a musical. I'm like yeah, technically it is, but it's a <laughs> lot more than that. Like compared to compared to what. Uh, Hollywood considers musicals. It's it's a lot more than that. It's very extra. <laughs> um, and I think at the moment with the current uh, global issues going around, I'm sort of going to more towards escapism because there's a lot of like, you know, like when whenever people try to say what their favorite movie is, there's a certain amount of like trying to be not pretentious, but <laughs> like trying to be something that is like, oh, look, this is like so good. It's like a ca- like Academy or like, you know, it's an award, whatever. And also I think awards are bullshit, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, so I, I don't really put any credence by that. And um, in a way, I sometimes I feel when I say what I like and which tends to be sometimes incredibly trashy things, it's a way for me to also judge how by how people react um, in terms of like, if you're super judgy, I don't want to be with you. Uh, yeah, so my favorite movie at the moment, and it changes. So if you were to ask me this question in another interview, even weeks later, it might change. Uh, it is uh, this uh, movie called Ye Javani Hedivani. Uh, which is a movie about four friends who uh, attend the wedding of one of the people in the four friends. And uh, they were friends 10 years prior. And sort of this kind of slice of life buddy movie of seeing what made these people become friends in their 20s. And then what happened in between and why things have changed in their 30s. Oh, interesting. And it's, it's, it's not a super serious film. It's very... It's very kind of, it's still very much in the rom-com, I guess, sort of scenario, but it is more than just rom-com. It's about um, friendships, how they evolve, how they drift, how they change. It's got some great music. Uh, And uh, the other sort of personal significance for me is that 
the wedding takes place in Odepur, which is like this destination place for weddings. It's like, you know, Martha's Vineyard type of like oh. it's it's a beautiful place. It's like got great uh Rajasthani palaces that are some of them are converted into hotels and etc. And I got to stay in that exact same hotel for my best friend's wedding in 2015. Oh, that's so cool. About two years after the movie was uh, released. So it has that personal thing for me of like, I've been here. I saw this place. I stayed in a room exactly like this. It's amazing. Uh, and, And also the song itself, like there's one particular song that is very heart touching and it's 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 one of the earworms i have when i'm feeling feels in general it's bitter it's a bittersweet song okay. but it's just such a beautiful song i i can't wait to ask you in a week or two be like hey what's the what's the latest fix what's what are you digging on <laughs> well then so i, I again I've, I've been learning a lot about bollywood through you which has been very helpful and i very much appreciate it for you, in your opinion, what do you think really differentiates Bollywood from Hollywood? There's a lot of similarities. Like, there's an entire industrial complex to it and stuff and everything. Um, but I think one of the biggest thing is that Bollywood, but also just India as a whole, their output is so much more, like, more. Like, I think... It's something like Hollywood might be around a couple of hundred films a year versus all of India, uh, with Bollywood being one of the bigger um, producers, maybe not the biggest, but one of the bigger, is about like 2,700 a year. Wow, that's a lot of movies. (laughs) Wow. And also, it's not just like Hindi, like like I said, 2,700 as a whole in India, and it's like at least 20 languages probably more and i think just the general sort of not that hollywood doesn't have a culture or america doesn't have a culture or anything it has its own culture (laughs) um but i think because there's this entire thing of everything is by default white everything is by default american that it feels this kind of uh neutral versus everything else that is othered um, and seems just more vibrant or whatever. But the thing is that um, I think Bollywood is very much... It it reflects its community values. It reflects its uh, cultures in it. I mean, not always for the good, because there are a lot of... There's a lot... I, I, could spend, I could spend like at least a couple of hours also criticizing some really problematic uh, parts of it. But uh, for the most part... Uh, I like the escapism in there because A, I can see myself in it, but also uh, there's this, like, um, being a diaspora of myself, like, I've never actually lived for any particular time from where I come from originally, like, community-wise. I've always been born out of the country, raised out of the country. It's a way for me to connect as well. And I think... Uh, depending on what mov- movies you see, you can really get a good look at what a particular community and culture is based on those movies. And a lot of times there's there's like nuances and layers and things like that. I, I So this next question is, if it's not an answer, totally okay. I, I was sitting here brainstorming and I was curious if you thought there was an American Western movie that could 
be made better through Bollywood. Like, if you could pick any American movie and give it the Bollywood transformation. I'm not sure if it's done for the better, but okay. a lot of American movies do get ripped off in Bollywood. Uh, quite a few Americans. And, and I think it was much more common prior to the internet and the world being connected. Because... Um, if you watch the movies, there is this, not contempt, I think there's sort of this laziness of, oh, the average Indian moviegoer wouldn't know what this is, or wouldn't know what that is. And, and you can kind of see it, for example, I think the biggest thing people, especially musicians, will pick up is that anytime, a, you know, the, the um, lead actor or actress or whatever picks up a music instrument, they clearly have no clue how to play it. They don't e they're not even trying. Like it's not that okay, they're not matching the notes. It's Just they're not even <laughs> trying. They're holding it and like, you know, like doing doing this regardless of what the tempo of the and you can't see me cuz this is an uh, uh, art but just like wriggling their fingers and like, you know, like for example, when you mime or mimic an air instrument, you're just doing stuff unless you're a musician, you're just wriggling your fingers and where you think the places are that you can wriggle them with no attempt to match the beat. That's what it is. <laughs> I kind of forgot, uh, I, and I know something you and I have talked about off mic before, but I forgot that that's an element of Bollywood of taking out, and then not all movies, but there's definitely has been uh, borrowing. <laughs> borrowing of... Oh, heavy <laughs> borrowing. And now because um, people are more exposed to, I guess, American, like uh, Hollywood or like just general Western or English language uh, theater and movie, they've started now... Being inspired by Korea or, you know, like Eastern Asia. And the thing is that uh, there's a lot of anime fans. There's a lot of people who like watching Korean dramas. So they figure it out very quickly because it's not even inspired. Because if it's inspired, that's kind of like it. Okay, it's derivative, but you are still trying to make something somewhat original, even if you're borrowing up a couple of bits. It's like, no, note to note, barring the words, it's exactly the fucking same. And they didn't even ask for permission. <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing. There's nothing wrong with, like, featuring songs from, like, I mean, that's what Hollywood does. Yeah. Um, Barring musicals, I don't think any of the soundtrack that is in current movies and um tv shows are composed just for that show that's the other thing with bollywood um most of the almost all the songs unless of course they get a permission from a rapper or whatever it is they're original compositions just for that movie that's a lot of work it seems like when you mention it's an industry it, it, to crank out that many movies to have that much original content and each of them have like four or five songs at the very least. Yes. At the very least, there's, I think right now, the, the record for the most amount of songs for like a movie is like a very old, we're talking like when uh, the concept of like moving pictures was just new to the world. Mm -hmm. um, there was a recording of a play so, you know, it's more like a recording of a play versus made for the moving pictures that had like 29 songs. That's a lot. But, Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, modern, I think the uh, the more sort of more modern one would be 14, <laughs> which is for a 1990 movie, like 1990s movie called Hamapke Hekon. And not all of them made it to the 
big screen. They act because it was like four over four hours long, mm-hmm. and they're like, nobody's gonna sit through four hours. By the way, the average like nowadays it's getting shorter and shorter, but uh, Bollywood movies are not an hour and a half. If it's oh, an hour and a half, people consider themselves ri- like they've been cheated. Interesting. Because when you go for a movie, you're paying like especially now that now with inflation and everything, it's even more expensive related to what you're earning. You're giving a good chunk of like your weekly pay or monthly pay to go see this movie. You better be fucking entertained for like more than an hour and a half. I, I think the hour and a half is a relatively new measurement. Not saying that we've ever been not using it, but when I go back and watch, um, God, was it? It's my mom's favorite Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life. Like for me, I'm like that movie is a long movie. And I, I think that kind of had some of that original mentality of, oh, yeah, we want to make sure we get the bang for our buck. It's like, now- a pl- like when you go to the theater and watch a play, um, it's usually not for mm-hmm. an hour and a half. It's more like two or three hours. Mm-hmm. So it's the same way with uh, um, Bollywood cinema is that nowadays, if a movie is only two hours long, that's considered really fucking short. Um, it's usually averages between two and a half to three and a half hours. And that's that's dedication. Fucking Americans don't have patience for that shit. We don't. We're just like the extended version of Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, no. We watch that once in our lifetime. We're well, good. that's why there's intermissions. Like, um, oddly enough, they don't do intermissions here if you go to see it in a cinema hall. Interesting. Because I guess intermissions are a bit of an alien concept or I don't know. Old, old concept. There used to be intermissions, <laughs> but like not anymore. Hasn't been... But yeah, like the concept of the fact that the movie is going to be two and a half to three and a half hours. And uh, with that, people definitely do need to use the bathroom at some point. I think to a certain extent, the story is structured such that it is with intermission in mind of like, wherever our logical position for half of the movie is, that's intermission with a uh, cliffhanger. And then when people get back five minutes later, we get into it. I miss, like I say, I miss intermissions. I've been to drive-thrus that I've had them before. It is it's just it's a nice way to... Stretch your legs. Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to move into some heavier topics, but we're not like scary or anything. I make it sound super scary. It's not. Um, I'll see if I can make sure I phrase this correctly as far as what I've typed and how I fucking say it out of my mouth hole. Colonialism is an important topic policy practice to you. How do you help bring awareness of that in our Western media? Well, it's not so much colonialism, uh, it's decolonization, uh, which, but it is interlinked. So the question itself isn't wrong. It's more of a, I'm not focusing on the colonialism aspect of it. I'm focusing on the decolonialism and um, getting the voices of the people that were oppressed by the colonists, because you know, history is written by the victor. And to most people who don't give a fuck about Asia or the, specifically for me, South Asia, uh, everybody thinks Churchill is like this war hero. And yes, to Britain, he probably was. But to everyone in like South Asia, Churchill was a war criminal and a big villain because his policies led to famine in Bengal, which is where I come from. I'm Bengali. And those famines were utterly pointless 
they were basically the food that was supplied was taken by the British to get a gift to the troops during world during the various wars. It's it's the world wars world wars two T O O not the second one, um, but specifically all the different expansionist as well as I guess defending wars that the British colonies did, um, and because of that they took all the. F- surplus that was there and let the people who made the food just starve it was one of the biggest mass like death dole event that had happened um in addition uh everybody again like with world war ii the holocaust what nazi germany did that's i'm not saying that's not a big thing that's a huge thing to happen but that wasn't the only major human tragedy that happened and uh if it weren't for the colonies the allies could have not possibly won we could all have been part of not like a fascist regime at the moment uh and uh which is why like dunkirk i never watched it because they completely whitewashed dunkirk was majorly done by the british indian army troops and I hate, I I currently really despise movies that are celebrating, like, you know, key events of World War II, but ignoring all the colonies. And I'm not just saying India was the only one. Um, the African colonies, the wherever, whatever British colonies were there. We all fought in wars that were not, a far, that we had no skin in whatsoever. We died for all of that and we're now ignored. We're still vilified. Even though we're all free countries, we're all our own democracies and everything. Um, So part of what I like to do in games and in talking and in whatever I do is bringing back what all of the colonies did. What all the oppressed people of those colonies did. So because I, 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 I had a feeling, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bonk this just a little bit. Can you give us a good a differential between, you said they're connected, but between uh, colonialism and decolonization, where, where your focus is being in decolonization, what does that mean? Well, aside from uh, basically bringing up the fact that a lot of what happened has been whitewashed, the other thing is, if I'm especially specifically in fantasy and specifically with my campaign setting, that is going to be a long-term project for me. Um is imagining how the world would have been had colonialization never happened, like the colonies, like the the British never came. Um, and I think the thing that I especially found out recently, and it just makes me this sort of red hot angry, as well as like, maybe I'm going to change some of my thinking about fantasy in particular, um, is that Specifically for Bengal, there has been a lot of evidence and stuff that I've read where had the British not won key battles that let them take over Bengal and then eventually become the British Raj, uh, Bengal might have had their own industrial revolution. And uh, in fact, the fa- their de-industrialization is exactly what led to the British Industrial Revolution. And that thing, that makes me so mad. Like, it's one of those, if I had a time machine, I'm not sure 
I'm not sure whether uh, fucking with time is a great thing, but it's one of those, you know, thought experiments. If I could go back time, I would try to figure out a way to stop that from happening. Um, but I can't do that. So my time machine is imagining it in a game like Koldak. Initially, it was supposed to be this is sort of my Bengal big city sort of a thing um, was supposed to be this big urban art and like, you know, cerebral city. Um, and I hate using this comparison, but sometimes it's the only quick and easy way. It's kind of imagining, it's it's kind of like how Wakanda was imagined. And I hate using that only because I know from several people that I've heard and spoken to that uh, anytime people want to talk about something different within the black community, Wakanda's always brought up. And it's like, you know, we're more than Wakanda. <laughs> Um, so that's my only reluctance in bringing it up, but I bring it up just because that's the easiest way to describe it at the moment of like, Goldak for me is like my Wakanda of sorts. Um, and now I'm thinking, knowing all of that information that perhaps, uh, it is a little more steampunky, but not in, definitely not in the, um, that's another reason why I didn't like steampunk is because it was so colonialist. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't feel seen. I felt exoticized. And I'm going to have fun figuring out what a Bengali version of steampunk will be like. I don't know. And the thing is that a lot of what is shown in Bengal of the time period is, again, incredibly colonized. Because what is considered high society in Bengal is very Victorian-influenced. So... What does it look like when it's not Victorian? It's hard to imagine, but I will try my damnedest. So I did ask this question in part so that way you could promote your other material. I know you have a podcast. I know you have a Patreon. You're working on on things and stuff. Go ahead and use this. Use this to talk about what you do when you're not hanging out with me. Uh, yeah. So I am the GM and the creator of the Masafers podcast. Uh, which is currently on hiatus as I deal with some uh, internal administrative stuff and generally life's been chaotic, so I'm slowly getting back into it. But whatever little I do have, um, I think it's it's some it's a great little show. I think it's very lighthearted, fun, wholesome um, show. I mean, it's there's a couple there's like one or two f bombs dropped in, but as a whole, it's wholesome um, and. Uh, I think people will like it and uh, everything I currently do at the moment is set in the world of Serzamine, which is the name. It's literally the title I've given to the world. Like, for example, how, you know, um, Sword Ghost. Uh, the difference is that its inhabitants don't call itself Serzamine. It, like, it's, okay. it literally just means world. Sir means like uh all and zamin means land so all land the world <laughs> um <Ow>. yeah <laughs> yeah so i have a patreon at the moment if anyone wants to you know toss a coin to this uh this person here cuz i'm not a witcher although by the way i do love the witcher like i love i love all things witcher and i also love like i love it and i also am okay criticizing in fact it's sort of like this half and half of because i love it i criticize it yeah 
I think there's, this is a whole other tangent that we don't have to get into, but just because you like <laughs> yeah. something doesn't mean it's free of criticism. You can still enjoy something and still appreciate its weaknesses and its flaws. And doesn't mean you have to hate it. doesn't mean you have to love it. Like, we can just enjoy things as we enjoy them. Yeah. it. I mean, my only line I draw is when it's a, it's a basically a denial of the really problematic matters and actually dismissing it and saying no 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 because this is historically accurate and i'm like oh and Ugh. and this is the point where i'm like motherfucker listen up <laughs> you don't throw the book just because <laughs> that's just lazy writing i tell you <laughs> and i just had this visual of you like throwing everything off your desk and like listen here <laughs> yep if I if if I had magic powers, when my hand hits the table, it would break the table. That's how pissed I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, like that's sort of where I draw the line of like it's okay to like problematic things as long as you are a aware of them and two don't treat it like it's gospel or like no 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 it has to be this way because it's accurate or whatever. And I'm like. I can show you so many examples that it isn't. <laughs> and also, just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's right. Also true. I like that. I feel like I need a tattoo of that <laughs> on my chest and big gothic script. <laughs> just because it's accurate doesn't mean it's right. Sorry, historically accurate. You'll see a little, little kind of like a markup and then like just above it historically in small script. It's in red. So, you know, the teacher added it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, so then I'm going to go into my last personal question here. And talking about marginalized communities and so on, a representation of podcasts, like a lot of other media, is getting flack for not being completely representative. It's a pretty white community. Do you think we are growing as a community as we're getting more awareness? Or do you think it's fairly stagnant? Uh, I think I probably need a little more clarification on what you mean by growing as a community. Are, do you feel like we're seeing more of an outreach for, like, Soul Story is a pretty white podcast, right? A lot of the stuff on our network is. Uh, do you feel like you're seeing more shows reach out, not just to you, your friends, or people that you know in the community, uh, I know there is the Piece of Cake network that deals strictly with POC, voice actors, podcasters. But do you think that uh, we're seeing a growth as in there's a willingness to grow? Or do you think it is being treated as token characters or that like it's something that people feel like they have to do versus something they want to do? I, I think it's a little bit of all of the above. Because... Um... You only have to look to Twitter to see how defensive people get when their beloved shows are criticized. And I'm not taking any names, but you all know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> the shoe pitch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, mainly because I don't want to get, you know, a million DMs. And, uh, like, there's a real sort of, like, it is very draining and scary to speak up. And the thing is that a lot of the marginalized community does it. I don't do a fraction of what some of my friends and acquaintances do. And um, it's, on one hand, there are companies and there are initiatives that are trying to be more inclusive and diverse and everything. And some of them do a great job at it. Uh, others, it kind of turns into this tokenization or it it 
the intent clearly is, if it's easy enough for me to do, I'll do it. But if I ever have to be uncomfortable, fuck y'all. So I'd say it's more of definitely all of the above. And it's like, I don't know if it's the correct word, but lateral growth, where it's not quite overall getting better. It is, but it's also going sideways because there's a lot of defensiveness and uh, pushback. Because nobody, like, it's people treat racist like it's a dirty word. And the thing is that it is and it isn't. In terms of, like, yes, you should feel bad if someone calls you a racist. However, it's not, to a certain extent, it's not personal. Mm -hmm. Like, if someone calls you that, a lot of times they're trying to tell you, please be better. And if you can't see that, then, well, you can't really do anything about that. It's fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think I think it definitely is a little off the above. Cool. I, I, I was thinking about this question, and it was one of those things that I, I feel like it's important to speak about, but also I know it's not necessarily something that I have a platform to speak on, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to ever feel like a, a token member in our group. So I, just, I, I appreciate you being here, and I really look forward to the the giving the voice and i think we see that in your intro this is going to be released with your intro as well but all the little details and the explanations are very educational and i'm just i'm learning a lot and i appreciate that and that's not one of those things i expected when i brought you on like it's, it's not your job it's not your job to educate me but you making the kindness is is appreciated thank you i just sometimes worry though that um like, and that, I think, is a worry that a lot of marginalized people also feel. Um, I'm not speaking for everyone, but just from, from my conversations with a lot of people. Uh, we spend so much time educating and teaching and doing things that we don't really get to be ourselves. Fair. But sometimes I wonder, though, if that's just now my part of my personality forevermore, whether I like it or not. I like I, I like people to know why I choose things I do. Not necessarily in a, like, you must know everything, but it's one of those things where, um, especially with names or things, when I come up with a particular something, it's important to me why I've done it. And the problem is, because it's sometimes in not English or something else, it's not obvious. So I think it... I hope it makes people a lot more interested and excited when I do explain it. Of like, yeah, this is why I chose this thing, because, you know, A, it makes me giggle a little, but also, here's why it makes me giggle. Well, I, it, you, as you hear to hear first, folks, if there's ever a time where we're like, hey, what's that? And you feel like, fuck off. I don't feel like explaining it. Tell us to fuck off. A hundred percent. You are under no obligation to inform us. Again, we live in 2020. We have Google. Tell me how to spell it. I'll, or I'll butcher it, and I'll do my own research. Like, I appreciate when you when you bring it to the to the board. I'm glad that there's times where you do really enjoy aspects of it. Um, and I feel like we get just to know you a little better. But um, under no reason should you ever feel pressured to educate us. That's not your job. You're here to, Thank to you. have fun. And, and whatever that means. <laughs> well, those weren't so bad, right? That wasn't too painful. Uh, I always make it sound No, it was a lot of fun. Worse. We're almost done. We're about halfway through. Can you believe it? Yeah, for an hour. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but we're over the hump. Okay. So the next section is our time capsule. Time capsule, time capsule. If you were with us since season one, you know that this is the part of the interview where I ask the players, hey, what do you think is going to happen? And then uh, I try to tell them, don't listen to it ever again, because we will bring it up 
later. We were lucky enough to do ours at the end of the season one. We weren't really sure when that was going to be. And it was it was fun. It was just about as fun as I thought it was going to be to, to go back and be like, oh, how accurate, how silly, how serious were we all taking this at the time? So question number one for the time capsule. What do you expect will happen in this game? Honestly, I don't know. But if I have to just come up with some wild theories... Uh, I think there's definitely, I feel like there might be a showdown relating to magic specifically between me and Falcon's character, Wheezy. <laughs> it's Wheezy, right? It's Wheezy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but not in a showdown of like, you know, like, uh, uh, Saruman and like, uh, Gandalf proportions, but more of a, more of a big miscommunication blow up. Um, and I feel personally, I don't know whether this this is like cheating or goal being revealed or whatever, but I definitely want to create some more undead uh, um, companions. Not in the sexual kinky way, <laughs> just, just to clarify it. Well, I wasn't thinking <laughs> it then, but I am now. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd, do, I'd be the whole, you know... As part of your will, please, uh, please write down if you consent to uh, being intimate uh, afterwards. It's very important because I do everything ethically, of course. Of course. Although it'd be hard to uh, withdraw consent afterwards, unless there was a way to. Uh, now that's just getting into the technical details. <laughs> we'll have time to get kinky and weird during the show. Don't you worry. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I think in our intro, there's already a little little. <laughs> little hints of it already so, so as you're as you're starting to listen to soul story and again people who may not be familiar with this you may see this come up the only other person who might do this is falcon uh but the very first episode we did i tried real hard to be like okay we're not going to be that kind of podcast like sure we can make dick jokes but you know we're not we're, we're not going to just try to go to sexual humor i promise you there's a dick joke in almost every episode we do but um, I know it's, it's so bad. I don't and mind. The worst I thing love, is, like, not I love it as an oh, I want more. There, you know, if there's no dick joke in this episode, that's it. I'm done. But like, I don't mind it because it it's one of those things. Of course, it depends table to table, but I don't mind that sort of a humor in like little bits. And also, it looks like y'all are having fun, and no one's no one's feeling bad about it. So like, why should why should you feel bad about it? Yeah. I think the the, the the irony at the time was, like, I was, I was going to be like, no, very little dick jokes. And, like, I'm the biggest offender. A hundred percent. Like, I'm usually the <laughs> one initiating it because I'm an animal. But uh, because of this, we, I think it was Logan who started it, but he would come in as the dick police and go, wee woo, if things were getting just a little too sexual or a little too, um, too long of the dick jokes. So, wee woo is, is our, like our flag for it but it's usually said also somewhat mockingly um yeah. but but uh there, there might be the occasional wee woo from falcon and i I'm like oh gosh we are getting into some spicy territory uh but yeah that you know who knows maybe we talk about your 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 zombie fetish apparently now declared <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm also so. sort of like wait i never actually said i had a zombie fetish I just was clarifying that my undead companions were not of the zombie fetish side type. <laughs> okay, so time capsule. We're focused. We're doing this. Yeah. Um, what are you looking forward to? 
I think I'm most looking forward to having everyone in the room and us playing our characters in Malifaux because we've kind of already done World's Largest Dungeon. Um, so I already get that it's going to be a fun time uh, because World's Largest Dungeon was so great. It was so great, the the couple of episodes that uh, I, I did record with all of y'all. Uh, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it goes in Malifaux. It's so wholesome. I like it. Last time capsule question. Oh yeah. Is, what do you think your character will achieve? World domination. <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> that was that was just my super super silly answer. Um real like for for serious though. I think uh Aurora, can I actually say that mm-hmm. the name? You can. Yeah, so I I I think Aurora is going to perhaps make a home for for herself. Aww. Like that's that's her goal. Make a home for herself. I hope that happens. No, I'm not I gonna could promise just die anything. like episode one. <laughs> Who knows? We're, we have a new track record. We're gonna try to make it past five. If we make it to six, great. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Like honestly, um, I love my characters, but I don't ha- I I am not super attached to them. Not in a way that is like, oh my god, I'm destroyed and I can never forevermore. Like I can't play another character ever again because this one died. I'm not like, yeah, I'll feel a little sad that the characters died, but the thing is that I am that sort of a person that has so many characters that I've been wanting to play and never get to. Uh, some of them are maybe reincarnations of old archetypes that I never got to completely play for like a long enough time, as you can tell. <laughs> um, so maybe I might be just a little sad if Aurora, you know, bites it. Um, <laughs> but if Aurora does, I will be sad, but her twin sister will show up. Perfect. Oh, that's good. Let's look at as much of a soap <laughs> opera as possible. I'm here for it. So excited. She has to be a doctor, though. That's like rules, right? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Last bit. This is the fast bit. This is the lightning round. So answer these questions as quick as possible. There's 10. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite type of dice? D12, 20, 10, etc. D6. What's your biggest pet peeve? Where do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Got a big one. Got a big one. Uh, Snoring. Elves or dwarves? Both. Favorite Bollywood actor? Oh, Aishman Karana. Currently, I lo- <laughs> I'm in love with him. Mainly because he plays roles that are like he's he's played a uh, um, he's played a gay guy. He's played a impotent guy. Oh. He's played a um, sperm donor. Like these. Like honestly, they don't sound like they're much, but the movies he picks are truly groundbreaking in Bollywood at the moment. Because no main hero wants to play those type of roles, because Image, there's this very, like, wholesome, you know, big, muscly, you know, white knight sort of a, you know. There's something to say about typecasting, and that it's not just type of of the character, but it also gets put on the actor as well. Okay, next one. Superhero or supervillains? Villains. Yes, good. High fives or hugs? Uh... High fives are probably better right now, but if the corona weren't an issue, hugs. Favorite smell? 
Oh, 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 you're, you're really putting me on the spot here. Um, I would say uh, it's the smell of biryani, but specifically within the biryani, it's the smell of the aromatics, which is rose water, saffron, um, orange blossom water, sometimes mint, uh, and dried fruits and nuts. I like that. Um, aliens or ghosts? Ghosts. And what is your biggest fear? Not being believed as well as being exiled. And not just a physical exile, a social exile. Now we know. Uh, well, that's it. I ended that on a, on a sad one, but I didn't mean to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick. <laughs> when I put that down, I thought like spiders, heights. And now I'm like, oh no, <laughs> maybe I picked a bad question. <laughs> I told you I, I love it. Extra. It's good. Now again, we know more <laughs> about you. So thank you so much for taking this time. Is there anything else you want the world to know about? Uh, uh oh, geez. Um, I don't know. Um, oh yeah, I have I have a gigantic library of songs in my head because I I used to play in Thakshri as a kid, which is like uh, it's like a riff off song tag sort of a thing. Okay. Where where the uh last. Uh, so someone sings a song, and usually it's not you. Could, I think the original game was supposed to be original songs, but it's really just whatever songs you know from whatever, and it's played. Gen, it doesn't translate as well in English because um, alphabets, English alphabets, are not the same as uh, Hindi alphabets. It's more like sounds or like um, or syllables. Uh, so the last le- the last syllable of the last word in the song is going to be the prompt okay alphabet slash syllable for the first word of the next person's song dang i am um, i am really bad at those kind of games to begin with there's no way i could keep up with that i would sit there and enjoy listening but i could not no way in hell <laughs> yeah maybe I'll, I'll show you some videos where it's explained really well and they actually do like the singing you know me you sent me a video i love watching that shit it's good stuff. It's a good way to spend my time. Well, thank you so much for being here and for, you know, hanging out and doing this interview and doing this show with me. I'm so very excited that you're here. I am so excited to be here and thank you for having me. Of course. Well then, let's say farewell. Bye, 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 bye. bye. bye.